0: Um, but today, we're, we're here to talk about first things first. We're looking at Haggai. And so I want to start by saying this. Haggai is all about priorities. It's all about God speaking to his people and redirecting their priorities back to him. So there was an event that happened this week that was really cool. It's not so, I, I didn't really know it was happening, but how many of you got to see the Field of Dreams baseball game? A few of you? Okay, yeah, quite a few of you. that was a really cool event this week where they went and played a baseball game, Major League Baseball played a game um, at the Field of Dreams site. Field of Dreams is a movie about baseball and so they played a game there um, this week and so Thursday night, I think it was, we turned the TV on and there was the Field of Dreams game and I, I started watching it with the kids, with the family and all of a sudden, I just, this thought came over me that, you know, it's been like 20 years since I've seen the movie and my kids have never seen the movie, so instead of watching a baseball game about a movie, let's watch the movie together. So we turned on Field of Dreams. And, and there's a reason I'm telling you this. As when we started watching that movie, there was just something that stuck out to me and that just was really clear to me when we're talking about our priorities and putting God first. This movie is about a guy who buys farmland and he's out in his land and all of a sudden he hears a, hears a voice saying, if you build it, he will come. And, and he starts hearing this voice, and, and all of a sudden he becomes convinced that he needs to be obedient to this voice. And he becomes convinced that he needs to build a baseball field, and so he plows all his corn, he gets rid of all of it, and he sets up this baseball field because he's being obedient to what he believes, what he knows he needs to do. And people around town are making fun of him and they think he's crazy and the bank's getting ready to take the property because he got rid of all his corn. But, but this guy is first and foremost sold out committed to be obedient to the voice that he's hearing. Nothing else matters. The most important thing, the first thing that he had to do was listen to that voice. And as I watched that movie, it, it just struck me. That how often we talk about being completely obedient and completely surrendered to God. But, but my fear is that far too often, a lot of us are halfway surrendered, halfway obedient. And we're like, God, we want to be completely obedient. We want to follow you, but, but we don't want people to think we're weird. And we don't want to lose anything. We want to make sure we're taken care of. And it just struck me in that movie, just this guy's wholehearted commitment to follow the voice, and I just thought, that's what God wants from his people. It's not just a bunch of people who say, yeah, I'll come to church every once in a while, and maybe I'll read the Bible, but people that are completely sold out, obedient, that it doesn't matter what the people around us say, it doesn't matter what it costs us, because we know that our God is in control and we will do anything to be obedient and put God first. So that's, God is calling the people of Israel in Haggai to put him first. Stop worrying about yourselves. So, so what we see is it, in Haggai, um, the, the people are working on their own houses and they're, they're putting their energy into their own houses. They're trying to take care of themselves. And, and I want you to see the timeline of this. In the first day of the sixth month of the second year, Of king Darius's reign God comes to the people of Israel and says it's time for you to stop working on your own stuff and put me first again let the first things be first then in the 24th day of the sixth month God comes back to the people because they're frustrated and God says you need to get back to work see the people said okay we'll start working on the temple again But they're discouraged. It it took all of, uh, let's see here, it took all of 18 days for the people to get discouraged. And and so God says, get back to work, go to work, and, and the people get back to work, and then God comes to them again on the 21st day of the seventh month. So less than a month later, God comes to them again and speaks to them again. So God is tuning the people's hearts back to him. And Haggai 2 today, we find, starts in the 24th day of the ninth month. So we're basically a little under four months for this whole timeline. God is redirecting people back to him. So let's look at verse 10. And I just, I want to give this disclaimer because I think as you hear God's word today, there may be some things that are a little bit confusing to you. I know that was the case with me. This last week on Tuesday we did staff devotions and we read this together and I hadn't spent quite as much a time as I have now. And I said, all right, we're going to read this and then we're going to talk about it. And we read it and we all stood, sat there looking at each other like, what in the world is that all about? <laughs> that might be your first reaction here, but there is some really good stuff here in, in Haggai 2 today. And I want you to hear what God has. Basically, there's two parts of the scripture today. The first part has to do with our hearts. The second part has to do with God's blessing. So so let's go, Haggai chapter two, verse 10. It says, on the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty asks. Ask the priest what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? And the priest answered, no, it doesn't. So, so the basic question there is if something clean touches something unclean, does that unclean thing become clean? And the answer is no, that's not how it works. He goes on, then Haggai said, If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. So if something unclean, and and by the way, to be defiled to touch a dead body was like the worst form of uncleanliness. So if something that was defiled by touching a dead body touches something clean, does it become unclean? And the answer is yes, it does. And so, then Haggai said in verse 14, "'So it is with this people and this nation in my sight,' declares the Lord. "'Whatever they do, <clears throat> whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. "'Now give careful thought to, you, to, this, from, to this from this day on. "'Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple.'" When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat and to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there any seed left in the barn? Until now, the the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. And he ends with this, from this day on, I will bless you. So two parts of this. We're going to start in the first part. There's two questions, two questions about cleanliness and about defiled things. And so, verse 12, if someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The answer is no. We all know this, right? If something is clean, and it touches something unclean, it doesn't make the unclean thing clean, right? That's not how it works. Let me tell you what God's getting at here. What God's getting at is that the people of God, so if you look at the the like the scope of this story, their hearts were in the wrong place, their actions were in the wrong place, they were focusing on themselves, and God says, you need to get your priorities straight. So the people of God got their active priorities straight. They started working on the temple. But there was a problem, and that's why God comes to them again here in the ninth month. He comes to them and he says, yes, you're doing the right things, But your hearts are not clean. See, the people, and and let's just be really honest today, sometimes and some people that call themselves followers of Christ believe that if they just do good things, clean things, if we come to church where it's clean, if we serve, if we give, if we do the right things by touching, by doing those clean things, we will become clean. And God says, that's not how it works. Just touching something that's clean is not what makes you clean and pure. And and so, God's getting at something here. God's getting at their hearts. And and he's saying, your hearts are dirty. Your, Your hearts are not with me. You're doing the right things. But your heart isn't right. There are people all over our world that are doing good things. There are people right here in this room, and I'm not trying to make people feel, feel guilty here, but there are people here that are coming to church, doing good things, maybe giving money, maybe serving here and there, thinking that if we do enough of that, maybe God will, will say that we're okay. If I just do, if I just touch enough clean things, if I just am around the temple enough, if I just do the things I'm supposed to do, I'll be clean. That's not how it works. Our hearts have to be cleansed. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is this, what makes us clean what makes our hearts pure? See, God is first and foremost. Let's get this out of the way right here. God is first and foremost concerned not with our actions but with our hearts. This is what God's saying at the beginning of this section. It's about your heart being clean. Your actions follow your heart, and and so. So what makes us pure? What makes us clean? And the answer is, the only answer is repentance, turning from selfishness and sinfulness, turning to God and God's grace through the blood of Jesus that purifies us and makes us clean. I want to be really clear with you today, church. You can go to church all you want. You can give as much money as you want. You can serve. You can be a really nice person. You can hang out with all the clean people, but if God hasn't changed your heart, if you haven't repented and God hasn't made you pure, it's all for nothing. And so he he goes into this second part, verse 13, then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer is defiled. So yesterday we had a men's ministry canoe trip. And the plan for this trip was that we were all going to go out there and we were going to take some coolers and we were going to throw some hot dogs in the coolers and some chips and some water, and we were just gonna get in the canoes and we were gonna go down the river, and at some point, when we were ready for lunch, we were gonna stop on the side of the river on a bank and we were gonna cook those hot dogs and make lunch and enjoy it. And for me, I'm just gonna be honest with you, when I heard that plan, I thought, I don't know how that's gonna go. (laughs) We gotta make a fire? We gotta cook our food there? Like, I, I know, I'm not a manly man. But I was like, I don't think this is gonna work. So, so we got on the river, we had a cooler full of hot dogs and they were wrapped, they were packaged, they were completely clean. I mean, as clean as hot dogs can be, right? I mean, they're hot dogs. But, but we got going down the river and we got to the point that it was lunchtime and so we got out on this bank and there just happened to be this little trail up just a little bit and so we walked up that trail and right there, there was this fire pit. And so we thought, this is perfect. Time to cook the hot dogs. So we got all our coolers up there. We open up the hot dog packages. We take out these clean hot dogs. And we're thinking, okay, now we just gotta cook them. How are we gonna do that? So a few people went and they grabbed sticks. Dirty, nasty sticks. Dirty sticks. And they stuck them in the clean hot dogs. Let me ask you a question. Does the cleanliness of the hot dog overtake the dirtiness of the stick? No, it doesn't. And, and I didn't go that route because I didn't want splinters in my mouth either. And, and so that was one option. Then we, we, there was this metal grate and it was rusted and it was kind of nasty, but it was sitting by the fire. So we thought, hey, if we just move that metal grate over, then we can put the hot dogs on that and it'll be kind of like a grill. But the problem was the metal grate was pretty dirty. So the question we literally sat there and asked ourselves is, if the hot dogs are clean and the grate is dirty, will the hot dog still be clean if we put it on the grate? And the answer was, no. (laughs) The second we put those things on there and started rolling them over, I mean, there were just these different colors on them. And it was like, oh, that's, uh..." you know what? They were delicious. As delicious as hot. I, we'd been palling for a long time. But, but no, when something clean touches something that's dirty, what happens is it gets dirty. And so God's talking about the people's hearts here. And God says, I care first about your heart, and you can do all of the clean things you want to if your heart isn't pure. It's not pure. And if your heart isn't pure and if your heart is unclean, then guess what? Everything you touch becomes unclean. So God says, so it is with these people. Everything they do and everything they touch is defiled. That's, this is tough stuff. I mean, the people of God's priorities were wrong. They were putting their priorities on themselves. And God said, get it right, put me first. And, and they shifted, and they did. They started working on the temple. They were faithful in action, but God comes again because just doing the right things is not enough. We are supposed to be clean and pure, and that only happens through God's grace at work in our heart through repentance. So our first priority, when we talk about priorities, our first priority should be obedience to God, and what God is saying here is that obedience starts with a pure heart. Obedience doesn't start with just actions that are good. Obedience starts in our heart. Jesus had a lot to say about obedience without purity. There were these people in Scripture called the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and they were really good at doing the right things. They kept the law to a T. I mean, they showed up when they were supposed to show up. They did what they were supposed to do. They stayed away from the things they were supposed to stay away from. They did everything to be clean, but their hearts weren't clean. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 15, eight through nine. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And listen to what he says next. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are just merely human rules. What Jesus is saying there is, you can do all the right things, you can keep the law as much as you want to, but if your heart is wrong, your worship is in vain. It's wasting your time. You're not really worshiping me if your heart is wrong. Matthew 23, 25 to 26. Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You cleaned the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first you clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. What God is saying to the people of Israel here is you've got to start with the priorities of your heart, and it starts with purity. And once that happens, then you can be obedient and do the right things, and you will be blessed." But if your heart isn't right, it doesn't matter what you do, it's defiled. It's messed up. So the people have been building this temple, and God says, stop, get your heart right. It starts right here. Haggai 2, verse 15 to 17, that's the first half of it. The second half is this. We we turn from the talk about cleanliness and uncleanliness and, and the obedience of a pure heart, and then God goes to talk about the result, God's blessing. So verse 15, now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. What God is saying here is, take a look at how life was before you turned to me. Remember how life was before. And we see these comparisons. When you went to get 20 measures, you only found 10. When you went for 50 measures, you only found 20. Let me tell you how this works in our lives. You want that perfect measure house, right? You just think in your head, if I could just get a house like this, then I'll be content, and I'll be full, and I'll be happy, and I'll be joyful, and I'll have everything I need. And so you go out, and you get that house, and what happens? All of a sudden, you see some other house, and you start thinking about what this house doesn't have, and you start wishing that you could have more, and it's like you're going to look for 20. In your mind, you think when you're getting this house, you're getting 20 of something, and actually you're only getting 10. You're not getting what you think you're getting. Maybe it's if, if I could only get this job. Maybe if I could only get this car. I, I used to think that. If I could just get this, my, this dream car of mine, then, then I would be content and I got this cool car, and guess what happens every day when I drive down the road? And, and I'm not talking about the Toyota Venza, let's be clear on that. That's not that cool of a car. Thanks, Dad. Um, but, but I'm driving down the road, and I see these other cars, and I think, it'd be pretty nice to have one of those. That one's a little newer and a little nicer. Man, this car's cool, but... Really be nice to, and it's like, I thought if I just got this, then I would be content. But what we find is when our priorities are in temporary things, we always end up with less than we thought we would have. There are people that have all the cars and all the money and the biggest houses in the world and they're miserable. It's like they're going and are They think they're getting fulfillment and they get there and they check and it's just some lower version. That's what God's saying to the Israelites. Before you turn your heart to me, when you were living for yourselves, it was like you would go expecting to find 20 and you would only find 10 because you can't have enough unless you're focused on God and receiving from God. If your priorities are in the wrong place, you will never find the fulfillment you're looking for. You may have good days, you may get cool things, but they will never be enough. Only God will be enough for you. We will never be fulfilled until we learn to put God first. He then says in verse 18, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. And then he says this thing that's kind of confusing to us. He says, is there yet any seed left in the barn? This is something that really confused me when I first read this. Is there any seed left in the barn? Let me tell you when the people are hearing this from God. This is at the end of the harvest. This is when at the end of the harvest, they should have plenty of things stored up for the next year as they sow the next year's seeds and they should be taken care of by the work that they've done before. They should be full so that they can survive until next year's harvest. And what God says, the thing that's confusing is the word seed here. Because see, in, in our minds, when we hear seed, we think of the seeds that are being planted. But what God's saying here is look around at, the, at the, the produce, look around at the result of the seed, look at your storage bins, look at the barns. Is there anything in there? And the answer for the people of God is no, because God's already said, I, I struck down the work of your hands. I blew all of it away. Uh, Because you weren't putting me first, you went looking for 20 and found 10. And so here the people are at the end of the harvest, and God says, take some inventory, look around you, do you have enough? And the answer was no. And the people of God must have been thinking, man, we are in big trouble. We're never going to make it to the next harvest. We're never going to be okay with what we have. And listen to what God says in verse 19. This is really cool. So so what God's doing here is He's setting the stage for them to understand His power and His glory. He says in verse 19, from this day on, I will bless you. From this day on. So the people have been disobedient. They are building their own houses. That's the irony. The more we work for our own houses, for our own security, for our own selfish desires, the less we will be fulfilled and secure and have what we need. But the more we turn to God, the more we trust in God, the more we depend in God, the more we will be filled with everything we need and with joy and contentment. God says, take a look around you. You've been disobedient. Your hearts have been impure. Your hearts haven't been right, and look around you. You don't have what you need. But man, I'm thankful today that we serve a God that's a God of fresh starts and a God of second and third and fourth chances. I'm thankful that we serve a God that throughout the story of Scripture and throughout the, the history of this world has been faithful to His people even when they haven't been towards him and he says, you know what, take a look around you, get your heart right. You got nothing in these storage bins, watch me take care of you. Watch what I'm going to do. See if the storage bins had some stuff in it, we would be tempted to think, oh, that was our work that sustained us, that was our work when we had our priorities wrong that got us what we needed and God says, no, look around you, you've got nothing. But from this day on, I've got you. If your heart is pure, if you put me first, you will see my blessings. Today is back to school Sunday. And you know what? I, I know for a lot of you, that affects you. For some of you, back to school Sunday doesn't mean a lot. The end of summer doesn't mean a lot. But listen, today in God's word, God calls us to a decision point, to a moment. I I love the, the words there, consider now. Consider what you have from this day on. There's this moment, this is a, from this day, mark this spot on your calendar, take a look at what you have and know that this is the moment that I'm asking you. Are you in? Are you completely surrendered? Are you pure? Watch what I'm gonna do. God's first priority is for us to live and have pure hearts. We have to put God first. We will never have enough. We will never be fulfilled. We can never save ourselves without the grace and the help of God. So he says, get your heart right, the first half. Get your heart clean. Then the outside will follow. In the second half, he says, listen, the product of your selfishness and sinfulness has never been enough for you. It leaves you empty. But watch what I'm gonna do. Today I want to ask you to respond to God's word. The end of the summer usually means for us, it's kinda I've I've been saying this to some people, it's kinda like the second new year for us. Because we got four kids that are about to go back to school, and Megan starts school tomorrow and and all everything, we've gotten our vacations in, we've, we've had our fun for the summer, we've rested, kind of, and, and here tomorrow, it all starts back, and it's like this, this second start to the year for us. And a lot of you are in that spot, but listen, even if that's not you, I want you to hear God's word today. God says, take a look around you, and if you've been living with an impure heart, if you've been living unfaithful to me, if you've put other things first, you're going to find that you never had enough, and you're always empty. But if you will turn to me, watch what I'm going to do. I will bless you from this day. So this is how I want us to respond to God's word today. We're, we're gonna have a, a, a response song, and in, in the first part of this, the worship team can go ahead and come up. The first part of this is we're gonna respond with surrender. Listen, I know there's a lot of you in here that have been serving God faithfully for a long time, and maybe your heart's been in the wrong place, and so maybe today this is just another day to say, all right, mark it on the calendar. I am dedicating everything to you, God but there may be some people in here that have been trying to do the good things that have been trying to to do the right things and to to just be a good person thinking that god's going to save us and today i think god wants to point to some people's hearts and say no i want you to be pure i want you to surrender your heart today it's not just about doing the right things it's not just about showing up to church and giving money and and serving people, that's part of it. But the more important thing is that your heart is completely surrendered to God. So we're gonna sing a song that talks about being more like Jesus. And the first part of our response today is surrender. So I wanna say a quick prayer over you now, and then I want you to take a posture of surrender. If there are parts of your life that haven't been tuned to God, if there have been parts of your life that you've been putting your priorities in the wrong places, if your heart just isn't quite right, if there's something in there that you know is wrong that isn't honoring God, now is the time to surrender. To say, God, let's get the inside clean today, and then we'll work on the outside. Today, every single one of our prayers should be, God, purify my heart. Today, I want to live for you. I want to put you first, not just in what I do, but in who I am. Father, we love you today. And I pray that you'll speak to each and every one of us. You know where each of us are. You know the the ones that are struggling to put you first. You know those of us that have been faking it for a long time. You know those of us that have been trying to earn our salvation. Lord, if there's any today that need to just surrender to you, I pray that you would purify us. Lord, help each and every one of us right now to come to a place of decision, to say we're not going to go the wrong way anymore. We're going to completely put you first, inside and out. Lord, purify us right now. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, as you hear this song, as you sing this song, I want you to surrender your heart. And after this song, we're gonna have a time of prayer and blessing, and we are gonna sing a blessing over you. And I want you to receive God's blessing today. God says, from this moment on, I'm gonna bless you. So I want you to feel that today and then we're gonna end by praising God. So let's start just with surrender. Whatever posture you need to take, whether that's kneeling, whether that's sitting, whether that's standing, whatever it is, make sure that your heart's right today as we sing.